Welcome to another episode of Ryan's Reviews. On today's episode, I'm going to be discussing the book version of Little Fires Everywhere, as well as nine movies from the Sundance Film Festival um, that premiered this weekend. Again, this was the first year ever that the Sundance Film Festival was available online with everything going on in the world. They decided to do that. I hope it's something that they do in the future, um, but I'll be talking about some of my favorite documentaries um, from the festival, as well as some movies that you should be on the lookout for when they are more readily available. Here we go. Little Fires Everywhere. This was one of the most popular books of 2017. Um, I did not decide to read it at the time, but now that a Hulu series has come out based on the book, and it's supposed to be very, very good as well, um, I decided to pick the book up. And I think the book itself um, is very, very entertaining. It's a quick read. It's only about 300 pages. Um, and I don't think it's the best story ever written, but I think Celeste Ng, the writer here, did a fantastic job of giving character background stories, um, letting you know each of the characters here, because there are roughly 10 in the story. And by the end of it, you feel like you know each of them. You feel like each of them kind of gets their due time here. Um, but anyway, it focuses on three families in particular and one individual, but the families that are kind of at the center of the story are the Richardsons and the Warrens. The Richardsons are this well-off family. They have four kids that are high school aged, each with very distinct personalities. And the Richardsons have this other property that they rent out and they decide at the beginning of the story, um, their current tenant is being either forced out or they're leaving and they decide that um, Miss, Mrs. Richardson, the mom, decides that she is going to rent it out to the Warrens. And the Warrens are actually, it's a single mom and her daughter who is also high school age. The daughter's name is Pearl. Uh, the mom's name is Mia and she is this struggling artist. Um, so Mrs. Richardson at the beginning of the story thinks that she's doing this great thing um, by giving the struggling artist kind of this nice deal um, in a town where Mia probably otherwise wouldn't be able to afford it. Um, and again, there's lots of drama going on in the story, a lot of it revolving around the high school age kids in the story, but also between some of the parents and another family is also kind of in the drama that I'm not going to go too much into right now. Um, just in case you decide to pick the book up. I would recommend reading it. Um, again, I think it was entertaining. It's pretty well written. And I think in terms of just uh, characters in a fiction story, I think this is one of the books that has developed characters more um, than in anything else I have read recently. So check out Little Fires Everywhere if you want to read something that's very, very dramatic. And there is actually, I didn't mention that, but there is a little bit of a mystery element to it as well. So without further ado, let us talk about Sundance. So last week I talked about the one documentary that I had watched and that was Rita Moreno, just a girl who decided to go for it, which last week I mentioned, I thought it was pretty good. Um, and Rita Moreno had a crazy, crazy life. Um, but that being said, then after thinking that and just going, wow, there were, she had to go through a lot of things in order to get to where she is today. Uh, then I, we watched, um, my girlfriend, my brother and I, we watched uh, the Amy Tan documentary and talk about 
a absolutely crazy life. Amy Tan, yeah, never mind with Rita Moreno. Uh, Amy Tan's life was just wow. Um, so Amy Tan is a very famous writer, um, known primarily for the uh, Joy Luck Club um, that was written in the early 90s. And this documentary really focuses on her family life um, growing up. And then as she's getting older, um, I'm not going, I don't want to say too much because I just found it so interesting. But the main focal point of the documentary is Amy Tan and her relationship to her mother, um, which definitely goes through its ups and downs. Um, if you're an Amy Tan fan or you're just interested in biographical films, I think this this was better than the Rita Moreno um, and definitely worth checking out. The other documentary that was part of Sundance that we checked out was Playing with Sharks, all about Val Valerie Taylor, who was this Australian diver and actually champion spear um, fisherman um, who lived in Australia. And it talks about her early career and how she hunted sharks and she would, yeah, she would spearfish. So, and there's actually, I think this documentary doesn't really offer too much new information. Yes, it gives some information about Valerie Taylor's life, but then the other half of the documentary is really going into the conservation effort um, focused on sharks. And I think for that, um, I already knew a lot about what was going on and how people were trying to protect sharks and that, yes, people are still illegally hunting them. Um, and I realized why the documentary went in that direction. It's kind of what Valerie Taylor is devoting her life to nowadays and has been over the last couple of decades. But for some reason, that part of the documentary really didn't do much for me. There, There is a segment, too, where they talk about the filming of Jaws and how Valerie Taylor was actually a part of that. And that part was very interesting to me, um, even having seen some Jaws documentaries in the past, um, just being seeing some of the behind the scenes and how Valerie Taylor and her then husband um, were able to help Steven Spielberg with some of the shots in his film, especially with some of the scenes where there was a cage and under the water, a shark cage and sharks swimming around it. Um, so, and I think probably the best part of this documentary um, is just the footage that is in this. There are some incredible uh, underwater shots. There are, and again, there's some very early footage of Valerie Taylor when she was spearfishing, um, when she was swimming with sharks. And I thought all of that was really neat. Um, but I would not recommend going out of your way if you are a fan of Jaws, um, if you are very interested in sharks, this could be a documentary for you. But otherwise, I don't think you need to spend time watching this one. Okay, so let's get into movies now. So uh, where to start here? Uh, <laughs> there was a good mix. Um, as with all film festivals, you think, okay, there's going to be some movies that are just amazing and others that are not so amazing here. Um, and <laughs> the first one that I'm going to talk about, I think I'll start off with the movies that uh, you should avoid at all costs. And the first one is actually this Thai movie called One for the Road. Um, it's this buddy comedy drama um, all about these two friends. Uh, the younger one has leukemia. And they kind of go on this trip 
so that the friend with leukemia can visit his ex-girlfriends and kind of seek forgiveness for the people that he's wronged in his life. Um, but anyway, this movie clocks in at two and a half hours. And while that's not a valid criticism, it is for this movie. Uh, just because, yeah, it was excruciatingly long. Um, my brother, my girlfriend, and I were watching this, and we were saying, like, maybe an hour in, we kept saying, should we stop watching this? Should we stop? And then, yeah, we, we just kept going and going, and we're like, okay, when is this movie going to end? So finally, we paused it and checked, and yeah, there was still, I don't know, 30 or 45 minutes left. Um, this is one where it's all style over substance. Um, the director of this film really, yeah, tries to go with, he includes all this music, all these fancy shots, all these camera tricks, um, but the story itself just really suffers. Um, pretty much all the characters in this movie are very, very unlikable. And then the movie's first act in the second half, there is a jarring transition um, for, it seems like it's telling one story and then it shifts over and it feels like it's telling a completely different story. Um, so definitely not worth checking out. Another movie, and I hesitate to talk about this one, um, the next movie that I'm going to talk about is Eight for Silver. And this never happens to me. Um, and I don't really do this on the podcast either, but I don't really review movies that I don't finish. Um, but this is one that we stopped watching. And it was my decision. I was actually the one that was like, okay, I don't want to watch any more of this. Um, and it was this horror movie. And usually I'm okay with everything. Um, but this movie, for some reason, the violence of it um, really got to me. Um, it was just uh, extremely graphic. Um, and I wanted to watch it because it was this modern kind of retelling of uh, oh, uh, the Wolfman. Sorry, there, the Wolfman. And uh, I thought it was going to be this atmospheric horror movie, kind of similar to The Witch, um, from what the description made it sound like. The Witch from a few years back. If you haven't seen that, check it out. Um, but it ended up not being that at all. Um, it was just this extremely violent uh, movie. It did have some horror elements in it, um, for sure. And it did actually have some interesting things going on. Um, but for some reason, just the graphicness of this one just, yeah, ended up uh, wearing me down to the point where I turned it off, which, again, something that I don't normally do. Um, and I did check reviews later. Um, to see what other people were saying about this one. And uh, yeah, most people were saying that this is not worth checking out. It was one of the lower reviewed movies um, at the Sundance Film Festival. Okay, the next one is one that people were very, very excited about. Um, and that is Prisoners of the Ghostland. I didn't write down the director's name for this one. He's an Asian director, I think Japanese if I remember reading that correctly. Anyway, I guess he's known for making absolutely just off the wall, crazy movies. And then you add Nick Cage into the mix. Um, this is what you're going to get. Uh, so he played Nick Cage plays this criminal who ends up being released um, because he's been given this task to go find this woman who has been imprisoned in this weird, bizarre world where people can't escape from it. There's people doing, I don't know, I don't even know how to describe it. There are just people doing bizarre things. Um, I don't, there's, for instance, one man who is like making people into live mannequins. Like it's, it's so, so bizarre and off the wall. I don't know really how to describe it. It has a lot of interesting things going on in it. 
And I think it drew a ton of inspiration from Mad Max, but it takes what Mad Max does, the Mad Max movies, and kind of just goes way, way past that. Um, it's kind of a horror movie. It's kind of an action movie. Um, it's more, I feel like it's more horror for the first half and then it becomes kind of an action movie. If you're a Nick Cage fan, this is going to be the movie for you because it's just Nick Cage just every every <laughs> every five ten minutes just something even more ridiculous happens um i don't know if i can recommend this um it's just so bizarre it's hypnotic at points you can't look away but it's just so so weird um yeah i don't know prisoners of the ghost land reviews from what i had read were pretty mixed and I, yeah i guess i'm pretty mixed as well um but yeah it is a nick cage showcase for just being off the wall um, crazy, and I wish, like a lot of Nick Cage films, I wish there was even more of it, him being crazy. Um, but when those moments happen in this movie, they're really pretty good. There are some good action sequences in this movie, um, but most of those don't actually have Nick Cage on the screen. Um, so, but yeah, if you are a Nick Cage fan, if you like watching modern Nick Cage movies where he's just doing crazy things yeah prisoners of the ghost land could be a movie for you uh so we have a couple movies left to talk about um the next one i would say is together together um and this stars ed helms um as the single uh middle-aged tech worker who's working in california and he hires this woman um that who happens to be in her 20s to be a surrogate mother to his child and i thought I don't know. Ed Helms' character is not super likable in this. Um, he's very demanding and kind of possessive um, for good parts of this movie. As the movie goes on, you start to like his character more. Um, and the woman who is um, the surrogate does a really good job in this. Um, and I haven't seen her in anything else. Um, but I think the comedy elements of Together Together worked overall pretty well. Um, it's a light little movie. It's only about an hour and a half long. Um, and it was one of the most talked about movies going into Sundance. I don't think you need to rush out and go see this one, but if it is on Netflix or another streaming service and you just want to watch something light on a Friday night, I think this could be a fun little movie. I will say that, and I don't, yeah, I don't want to say too, but the ending of this is kind of, it's a little jarring, but after thinking about it a little bit more, I think it does work. Uh, the next movie that I'm going to talk about is, is a, this actually won uh, the award at Sundance Film Festival for the best foreign picture. Um, and it's this uh, drama movie that is set in Kosovo. And it follows this woman and her journey to kind of take care of her family. Her husband is missing and presumed dead by her. Um, some of her other family members are in denial, but it's just a movie about uh, women living in this area and what they have to go through and how they worked to overcome um, tr just, I don't know, lots and lots of uh, discrimination um, where they live. And it is based on a true story. Um, the main character in the story um, really exists in real life. Um, and the story that is told here, while it does have some fictional components, for the most part, it is rooted in fact here. It's a well-acted and very bleak movie, but I, I would recommend checking out Hive.
the last two movies that I have to talk about are the movies that I thought were the absolute best of Sundance. And one was is very, very dark, um, extremely dark, about as dark as it gets. Um, and the other one is a very, very uplifting kind of by the numbers movie that's very, very predictable. It ended up winning the award for best movie of Sundance. Um, and I'll talk a little bit more about that in a minute. But anyway, the one that is very, very dark um, is Mass. And this is a movie that was directed by uh, Fran Kranz. It's actually his first movie ever. And yeah, it's kind of a funny name. <laughs> and anyway, he ended up writing this movie as well. If you've seen Cabin in the Woods, he is the stoner character from that movie. So it was kind of funny to see him introducing the movie um, beforehand. I was like, oh my gosh, I know this guy. Um, that's what most people I think would know him from anyway, he has written this movie, um, that is so realistic and just so heartbreaking and just so real and raw. Um, I think everybody should see it at the first 10 or 15 minutes of this movie. Um, the acting from some of the supporting characters seemed very amateurish and I was like, okay, maybe this is not going to be the movie for me. But then the four lead actors of this movie come on screen and stay on screen for pretty much the remainder of the film. And they, Jason Isaacs, Martha Plimpton, Ann Dowd, and Reed Burney. Um, you will recognize some of these people if you didn't recognize the names that I just said. But they deliver ooh, some of the best movie performances I have seen in some time. And altogether, the chemistry between them is incredible. Jason, Jason Isaacs and uh, Martha Plimpton play this one couple whose son was killed in a high school shooting, and Aunt Dowd and Reed Burney's son was the one responsible for it. And they're sitting down at a church and just talking about it um, for an hour and a half. And it is <laughs> an excruciating and painful watch, um, but at the same time, it's so good, I can't not recommend this movie. Um it's just, it's a movie that everybody should try and see, um, even though the subject matter is so dark. Um, I just, yeah, I can't recommend it highly enough. I think it actually might be my favorite movie of the Sundance Film Festival, and it might be, if I really think about it, it might be better than any movie I saw last year. Um, it's really, really quite good, um, even if the first 10 or 15 minutes are, are not so great. Um, and the next movie, um, like I said, is kind of the crowd pleaser. It's, it won the award, and that is Coda. Um, and it's, it's about this teenage girl, and she, the members of her family are deaf, and her father is a fisherman. Her brother also works on the boat, as does she. Um, and it's all about kind of the responsibilities behind that, how she kind of has to take care of her family while at the same time having a life of her own. It's super predictable. Um, it's a very safe movie. You're not going to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that happened. You're going to say, okay, here's what I think is going to happen, and it does. Um, but the acting and the script and the music here, everything kind of uh, makes up for that. It doesn't matter that it's so predictable. Um, I absolutely love this movie. And should it, I think it was actually bought, I think it might have been a record. Um, I think it was bought by Amazon for tens of millions of dollars. Um, so it will definitely be available shortly. Um, but yeah, Coda and Mass 
are the two movies. If you're only able to check out two from the Sundance Film Festival, they are the two to check out. I was disappointed that I wasn't able to check out Quest Love's documentary, um, but I think it is coming to Netflix shortly. Um, I think that is called Summer of Soul. So, yeah, that was the only movie that, or documentary actually, that I didn't really get around to that I wanted to see. So, hopefully, I get to see that one soon. Okay, looking ahead to next week. So, that was Sundance. Uh, now, again, we're in film festival season here. So, um, I will be um, watching some movies from the Animation First Festival. I actually watched two last night, um, but I will be reviewing some films from that festival uh, next Saturday. I don't know how many I'll watch, but a lot of them are fairly short. So hopefully I get to quite a few of them. And then with the Super Bowl being played tomorrow, I thought it would be a good time to read The Dynasty by Jeff Benedict, a book that I just talked about possibly reading Oh, several episodes back, um, all about the New England Patriots and the last 20 years and how they turned a franchise that was laughed at and kind of forgotten about to this franchise that is now seen as the best franchise in the NFL. As always, thanks for tuning in to today's episode. I will be back next Saturday. Uh, new episodes air at 1 o'clock Eastern Time, available on Spotify, Apple iTunes, and wherever podcasts are streamed.